0: Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast, I'm your host Sam Vicini. we're presented by The Athletic today on the show. Tony Jones is back in the building, Tony and I are going to talk about some NBA awards and we're going to talk a little bit about the play-in games, but first, Tony, how you doing, man? I'm
1: doing good, man, how you doing? This is, this has been, I mean, you know this has been too long for us
0: it has been but like between the two of us we've been too busy like you have a million things going on on your end such as having a like teenage daughter and then on my end i moved to a new country and am dealing with things along those lines so i'm just bummed that we haven't gotten a chance to get together because our schedules don't align but we're doing it now and we're doing it for a great podcast that uh is always fun to talk about it's always fun to talk about awards right
1: uh definitely fun to talk about awards. speaking of my teenage daughter, she just put up an i g story uh featuring Drake and Michael B. Jordan, to which she labeled bay uh, and I just told her to stop it
0: <laughs> yeah you're in, you're in some trouble
1: yeah, i'm in some trouble
0: you've got full on teenage daughter uh problems here yeah
1: yeah i got full on teenage daughter issues I mean this literally just happened during a podcast. And she gave me in two weeks ago so she could keep the TV downstairs so I wouldn't go downstairs <laughs> and, um, and, and, and play Xbox all night. So what happened was she said, Dad, I want to, you know, you know, we have family in town and my niece was in town. So she said, me and Janessa, we want to go and and watch TV downstairs. And that's Madden Hours for me because, you know, I can't go upstairs. I can't take the Xbox upstairs. Um, You know, so I said, No, that's Madden hours. Like, I'm gonna be playing Madden. You guys gotta go to school the next day. And the next thing I know, we're at dinner, and she says, Hey, Dad, for dessert, do you want these gummies? And me, being the loving, trusting father that I am, Sam, I took the gummies. And I went and took a shower, I got in the bed. And I was like, why am I so tired? It's only midnight. I'm never tired at this time. I always go to bed at 4 a.m. And the next thing I knew, I, you know, my dad comes in and she says, dad, I just want to know if you still need the television tomorrow. (laughs) And I said, no, no, I don't need the television. You can have it for the night. I think I'm going to go to sleep. The next thing I knew it was 8 o'clock in the morning and I was taking my 11-year-old to school. So later that evening... My niece takes out these things, this this jar, big jar, and it says, sleep. And she says, Uncle Tony, have you ever had this? And I was like, no, I've never had this. I've never seen that in my life. What the heck is that? And she was like, oh, okay. So she takes the gummy out, and I immediately recognized the gummy. And I said, oh, my God. And I say, Kelsey. And we come downstairs, and that's when I knew that my daughter had fed me a sleep gummy, multiple sleep gummies, (laughs) in order to take over the television that I rightfully claim to play Madden every night.
0: Oh my God!
1: I listen. I'm
0: you got a teenage daughter who is yeah.
1: This is some gone girl shit.
0: <laughs> on, on, a different level,
1: on a different level, of course, now. She didn't set me up for murder, but still.
0: Have you started watching Mayor of Easttown yet? I have not. So it's like, essentially like Delco. Like, you're from Philadelphia, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, so it's like Delco... And like, like Easttowns in Chester County, really. Right, but right. They like kind of moved Easttown to Delco, kind of deal. And at one point, Kate Winslet just goes and says something like, "Teenage girls are sneaky fuckers." <laughs> well, that I mean,
1: I, I'm, I'm, I actually like. So I don't know. Listen, I, I assume that this is a safe space, so you know, you were the first person I've talked about with this, like, so literally the last three days I've been on the verge of tears trying to figure out how I got duped so badly as a father um, but I'm afraid to tell my mother because, you know, I think my mom <laughs> might not understand <laughs> to take this to another level um, and I, I'm just it, it's, I'm trying to figure out how she got so smart and in the process of her being so smart I became so gullible because those gummies really like legitimately Sam they tasted really good I thought it was candy <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like when you hear the word gummy now you should assume that there's like weed it somehow
1: or- like brownie right gummy brownie yeah same yeah. thing I mean, but you know the whole thing. You know, now that you, now that I look back on the situation, I should have seen it come a mile away. Like they didn't give anybody else at the table the gummies. Like I was the only person. <laughs> I was the only person that was presented the gummies.
0: Well, and, it, and on top of it, you've been like really good about losing weight recently. And like, right, I've um, lost a ton of weight.
1: Oh, right, I, I've gotten in the shape. You know, and then, you know, the, 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 the biggest thing, the biggest clue that I overlooked was that the second gummy, I didn't really want it. Like, I had the first gummy, and I was like, okay, that's enough. I had a gummy. That's dessert, yada, yada. But, you know, my daughter literally stuck the second gummy in my mouth. <laughs> and she was like, Dad, make sure you swallow it. <laughs> 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 and i just ignored all of these signs and the next thing i know i'm like you know i'm i'm i'm, I'm just like knocked out in bed and it's eight o'clock in the morning oh so yes
0: that's what? that's what happened to me like i feel like your problems are drastically more problematic than mine because, like, what I'm struggling with here in Australia, I'm struggling with, like, one significant thing, which is, I didn't realize how hard it was going to be to get sneakers here. Um It's very hard. Really? It's, well, A, you can get specialty sneakers, but you can go to, like, they have these, like, specialty stops, like, shops, and they're, like, 600 bucks like i have a pair of jordan ones that are yellow and blue and they're not even like limited edition like i got them for probably like 110 like right when they came out i don't even think like i didn't even get them on the sneakers app like i got them from a foot Locker. these shoes here in australia are 500 dollars. that's a lot and i've got like a pair of like paint splatter ones that are like blue and black i swear those shoes are like 550 bucks here it is insane like i've gone to footlocker like they have a few things that are like okay kind of interesting like they really love uh they love Giannis's shoes what are they the freaks the zoom freaks um they like Kyrie shoes obviously because he's born in australia um the jordan selection here is rough like it's, ha- it's hard to find a decent pair of jordans here for anything under like 500 bucks or like anything resembling retail
1: no no donovan mitchell's the don issue too you can't catch those
0: i i saw a pair of them but it was like a really basic colorway i think what's good about what don is done, donovan's done with them is he does have some really interesting colorways for the most part and like look i have like 40 pair of sneakers i wear most of them out like i'm not like some crazy collector who like puts them in a fucking glass case and like doesn't wear them right Um, so like, I I tend to look for like specific things. Like I have a lot of white shoes. I have a few pair of black shoes. Like I tend to look for like colors or like things that match outfits that I have that I don't have a pair of shoes to wear. Right. It's hard to find like a pair of green shoes here. Right. It's hard to find a pair of like light red almost or like pink shoes here. Like I have a pair of like pink and blue Kyrie's that are, um, I forget what they are. It might be Kyrie four. Um, and it's just hard to find. Like it's hard to find anything with any sort of like interesting specialization in terms of shoes. Like that's what that's, that's I love Australia. It's the greatest place on the planet. Like I could not be happier here. But whenever I get back to the United States, like if I can come back for summer league because they open up Australia and don't make me quarantine for 2 weeks whenever I come back into the country, I will be taking a suitcase over and filling the suitcase with shoes that I
1: bought. Yeah, you're going to have to do that. Like do you have do you do you have running shoes?
0: I do. So the one thing that Australia is good with is Adidas. Like you can get Adidas shoes actually like reasonably priced. So I bought a pair of like multicolor um, Ultra Boosts for like a hundred and fifty bucks, I think, something like that, which like wasn't too bad of a price. I,
1: I got a question for you. Okay. Um, I have been told m- many times on Twitter to stop running in my Dons and to get a pair of running shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, when you jog. Yep. When you when you jog because I know you're a jogger when you jog in basketball shoes is there a difference between jogging in basketball shoes and jogging in running shoes?
0: I think so because running shoes are lighter, mm-hmm. and whereas basketball shoes, it depends on like what you need to like. Do you need like heavy ankle support? Like do you? Have oh no like, no no your ankles or anything. If you no. don't have that then I would definitely buy a pair of running shoes. Cause the difference is they're just lighter because they're a bit smaller. They tend to, especially ultra boosts. Like I almost will not run in anything other than ultra boosts. I have a couple pair of four D's, um, Adidas four D's as well, which are supposed to be really good running shoes. I don't really wear them for, to run in. I wear them more because they're like great shoes. Like I just really like them. They're comfortable to walk around in. Um, I almost will only run in ultra boost now because they're just so comfortable, they're light, um and they have like a lot of padding on the bottom while re- while like maintaining that lightness. And like a bit of support particularly uh around the heel as well. Right. Does that does that help answer your question? I guess is a good I, I
1: think it does. I think it does. It I, I think it does.
0: Like if you need if you need ankle support, I've never like been opposed to people running in like basketball shoes because what the fuck do you do on a basketball court? Like you run around, you know? Right. They're there for a reason, right? They're supposed to allow you to run around. Um but if you're doing like any sort of like distance stuff, I would go with uh I'd go with a pair of Boosts, to be honest. I think they're the best running shoe on the market. Um but we're not here to talk about running shoes. We're not here to talk about Tony and I's problems. Uh, in
1: Germany. or yeah, or my daughter drugging me.
0: <laughs> Your daughter drugging you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Your daughter drugged you. It's amazing. <laughs> Just about, a, over a television. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the playing game. Playing games first. So we're not going to get to talk about Golden State Memphis that happens tomorrow, um, but we are going to get to talk about the first three. Or the first, I guess there were five now. There have been. The Pacers-Hornets game was just a walkover. Uh, There's nothing exciting to talk about there. Like, I enjoyed the O'Shea Brissett show personally, because I really like seeing guys that have to come up the hard way succeed. But other than that like I I got nothing on that game do you have any strong opinions
1: Uh, other than I was you know so I have a Rudy Gobert story coming out on Friday morning and um, I told myself well I'm going to start writing Rudy Gobert after the Wizards and the Pacers and I ended up starting to write at halftime because that game was over and that's all I have.
0: Right. And we'll, we'll get to that one here. Let's just go kind of chronologically here. So next up was Boston and Washington. Uh, did it surprise you that Boston looked as well put together uh, as um, did? So
1: now, I mean, seeing that, so this is where I'll, I'll infuse the Wizards in Indiana. Seeing what the Wizards did to the Pacers, I'm actually more impressed now. With Boston's win over the Wizards, because it still seems like the Wizards are playing at a high level. That was a fun game. Like I thought, that was a fun game. Um, obviously, Jason Tatum um, was was absolutely phenomenal, turning a fifty piece. Um, um, you know, Kemba Walker looked reasonably like Kemba Walker, um, and they were able to piece together enough uh, shot making. Around those two to to, to to get the win. So um, I thought that was a uh, probably the second best playing game that we've seen so far. Um, I thought it was a fun game. And, um, you know, um, I'm glad that the Wizards came out of Indiana because I want to see Russ and, and Joel Embiid in a series because those Dude, two hate each other.
0: I had forgotten about that. Like, I had totally fucking forgot about that. That those yeah. two hate each other. And then Rob Perez at Wob on Twitter, for people who don't know Wob's a real man, um, put up, like, a four-minute highlight package of them just shitting on each other.
1: <laughs> them <They're> hating <laughs> each other.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I had totally forgotten, and it's amazing. Like, oh, <laughs> it's amazing. They hate each other. Like, like, fight. like I feel like they might get in a fight in these
1: games they're not going to get they're, 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 they're going to they're gonna definitely stare each other down and you know somebody's one of them is going to dunk on the other or one of them is going to flagrantly foul together um, yeah so it, it's listen that's going to be the most fun five game series I've ever seen <laughs>
0: I don't even know if it goes five, to be honest. Like, it's probably... uh, No, no, Bradley Beal is good enough
1: to get them one game.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. We'll talk about Brad later on, I'm sure. But, like, uh, Philly's defense is really good. And Philly has enough bodies to throw those two specific guys to where I'm pretty worried. Um, But, yeah, Jason Tatum was phenomenal in that game. Uh, Marv Albert was less phenomenal in that game. (laughs) I don't think he just watched any of Boston's games that yeah. like. No idea. Who any of and, uh, and, and Marcus Smart for three. Oh, yeah. and now they're saying it's Aaron Neesmith. <laughs> I was ready for him to go, who is Aaron Neesmith?
1: <laughs> oh my God, that was so funny. Yeah, that was so funny.
0: Um. So, the next piece of this is actually the West. And the West, I thought, had the two best games so far. Um, Memphis and San Antonio was really fun. It was like a mid-range fest for <laughs> a large, large portion of it, but it was it was a fun mid-range fest. It was the
1: only guy shooting threes in that whole game. Who was? Jaron
0: Jackson Jr. Oh yeah, Jaron was chucking threes. Um, Dylan Brooks was doing his mid-range thing. Like, I'm I enjoy the Dylan Brooks show, I have to say. And then Jonas Valanciunas is just ridiculous. Like, he's so good. Um, This is kind of my weird hot take. I think that Jonas Valanciunas is actually what everyone wanted Andre Drummond to be. Like, everyone wants Andre Drummond to be this awesome pick and roll player who uses athleticism and strength to dive to the basket and short roll and use his passing ability and occasionally post up but not really post up and then control the glass constantly, and then play really sound positional defense. Like, Yonis Adelchunas does all that shit. Like, he's really good. And Andre Drummond doesn't do any of that, and it's why Andre Drummond is, like, unplayable right now in the playoffs for the Lakers.
1: Andre Drummond will be unplayable. Well, I actually think he can play against Phoenix, uh, shockingly enough. Um, right. Had the Lakers lost uh, uh, last night and, and had to go against the Jazz, um... Drummond wouldn't have been a. I mean, like every possession, Drummond would have been on the floor. That would have been a win for the Jazz Everyone. because the Jazz would, have, the Jazz would have just feasted on him. Um, but I feel he can actually play against Phoenix. Um,
0: so, so you feel okay about him having to deal with Chris Paul and drop coverage?
1: Yeah, I mean, eventually that's not going to be sustainable. Like. When I say he can play against Phoenix, I mean he can play like 20 minutes a night. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's the reason why he can't play against the Jazz because the Jazz would just kill him in drop coverage with, with Donovan and Mike. And, you know, either Donovan and Mike will get an open mid range floater or, you know, one of their shooters will get open on the wing for a wide open three. Um, you just can't play against, you, you just can't play drop coverage against the Jazz. They're, they're, I think they're the best team in the league against drop coverage. Um,
0: yeah, they probably are.
1: Um, But, um, you know, I think you can get away with it a little bit against Phoenix just because of how many mid-range mid ranges they take. But then, you know, you get into a fourth quarter game against Chris Paul and he's just going to kill you from mid-range. So you can't have Andre on the floor. You got to have... Right now, I think their best lineup, the Lakers' best lineup is is uh, uh, LeBron, um, Anthony at the five, uh, Alex Caruso, uh, Kyle Kuzma, and probably uh, uh, Wesley Matthews. Am I missing
0: somebody? KCP. KCP. KCP,
1: yes. So So KCP over Wes Matthews, yeah. Yeah. Um, I knew I was missing somebody.
0: Well, there are going to be games, too, where Dennis Schroeder is useful, and there are going to be games where they just can't play Dennis. Probably. they, they couldn't them. well they almost lost
1: the game because of dennis last night right
0: like, like chris paul or uh, steph curry i'm sorry was just roasting him oh uh, it's just
1: it was game. ugly it was ugly so and w- when when dennis was on the floor you know Steph didn't have to actually create he could actually step back and shoot over the top yeah and the, that was
0: the thing with phoenix though is that phoenix has enough guys that you might be able to hide dennis on like you can probably toss Dennis on Mikael Bridges and say, okay, if Mikael Bridges <laughs> beat us in the pick and roll, that's fine. We would rather Mikael Bridges shoot over the top of Dennis Schroeder than anything. Um, like Mikael Bridges shooting over the top of a contest from Dennis Schroeder is probably a better result for the Lakers than Devin Booker roasting someone off the bounce. Right, right. Roasting someone off the bounce. So I like you could put him on. You could probably toss him on Jay Crowder because I don't think. Again, like, if you get a Jay Crowder post-up, that's a win for you as a defense. Right. Um, You could definitely toss them on Cam Johnson, I think. So they they have enough guys to where the way that their offense runs, they just kind of run a lot of horns where those two guys, Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges, or whoever's at the four, uh, a lot of the time Jay Crowder, they just kind of camp out and then, like, rise up to the wings as the possession goes, and, like, there's not a lot complicated there in terms of, the, like, Dennis the,
1: lost. The, the problem with Phoenix is they just don't have any deterrence for, for LeBron. Uh, I don't think, you know, I think McKell Bridges is a really good defender. He doesn't have the strength. Jay can't move his feet enough in space. Um, you know, and you can, I mean, to be honest, I mean, I, I um, think the best LeBron LeBron defender on Phoenix is probably Chris Paul.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I was going to say Aiton. Aiton's had a few like interesting moments on LeBron over the few years, but yeah. the problem is that if you put Aiton on LeBron, they will counter by going big, and right. nobody on Phoenix can guard Andre Drummond and Anthony Davis both. Like you, you can't have two of those guys getting guarded. Like Mikael Bridges is good, but Mikael Bridges ain't going to guard uh Anthony Davis particularly well. I don't think because he's right, just bigger right. and stronger like that that's one guy you could post Anthony Davis up against and I feel okay about it so it it all just depends on what the Lakers are health-wise at this point I think like I don't know about you like how did you feel about LeBron I I felt like LeBron's ankle is not there yet no it's definitely not yeah I
1: mean he was I mean he was clearly not himself in the first half and then you know he was he was special in the second half like that was that second half last night from LeBron was legitimately like a special LeBron performance. And but the,
0: the way he was special, though, was he was just out thinking everyone more even than like athletically dominating. Like he just right. like, catch the ball in the high post, he diagnosed the defense, maybe take a couple dribbles and hit a cutter, right? And he's just one of the best players ever reading the angles of basketball. So I'm intrigued. I'm very interested to see where LeBron is in terms of health right now. Well, the fact and that LeBron
1: could still you know, be the best player in the world at 80% to me was, was I maybe mean, because that was the level that he reached in that second half was just, I mean, it was, you know, he was special. He was just separating himself from everybody on the floor. And he did it on both ends of the floor. He, he, he dominated every possession, um, uh, on both ends, you know, his back end defense basically blew up Golden State's offense. Um, you know, he started. You know, figuring out and figuring it out in isolation. He got in transition, scored there, and obviously he. You know, he had the two big threes down the stretch. So, I mean, he just he just found a way, and you know, he was. You know, like I said, he was just obviously um, he was he was obviously not one hundred percent. So, it'll be interesting to see what the wear and tear on his ankle is, as you know as the playoffs start what happens once the second round starts and the playoffs go every other day that's going to be that's going to determine a lot um you know i think he should be relatively fresh in the first round because you know he's going to have multiple days off between every game um but you know once the second round starts and you know that thing goes every other day then that's that's when it's hard to keep that's when it gets harder to keep everybody healthy
0: yeah. I'll be interested. I, I think that they are probably going to beat Phoenix. But I think Phoenix can cause enough problems for them to at least make it a fun series.
1: I would say. I do. I do.
0: Okay. Let's um the last thing I want to talk about here is Memphis and the Warriors. Like we still feel good about the Warriors.
1: Yeah, definitely still feel good about the Warriors. I don't think Memphis can make enough shots, um to to, to uh, counter what um stuff is gonna do to them um you know and, and it's gonna be a question of it hey you know, and I don't think Memphis is gonna get any any calls whatsoever <laughs> um you know, so there's just. There's just too much going against Memphis for me to see them winning.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I went back and I watched their game from last week, the Warriors in Memphis, and I was like, damn, Dylan Brooks is doing a really good job on Steph Curry. Like, he's fighting, he's playing heavy denial off the ball, he's really contesting late, like, annoying the shit out of Steph. Steph still dropped 46. Like, (laughs) it's ridiculous. Like, Dylan Brooks again like really good defender did a really good job on Demar Derozan last night did a really good job on steph in that game didn't matter because steph is just that good um I,
1: you know i saw them i i steph did that to the jazz a couple of weeks ago it was like i was like wow you know the jazz really defended Steph well like royce o'neill was getting in space you know they're doubling the pick and rolls they're recovering they're scrambling they're helping yep you get to the end of the night Steph had 37 on like 60 45 100 shooting splits <laughs> like <laughs> how did this happen like they, you know like they they did you know they defended him well like how you know how, how does he still have 37 yeah. <laughs> so it's he's he's just playing at an unreal level right now
0: yeah that's crazy uh let's uh let's take a quick commercial break and then we're gonna get to awards Okay, and we're back. This one's going to be fun because I don't think we've ever done an awards p- podcast before, Tony. I don't remember. Do you have an actual NBA? Um, I, am a, I
1: am a I am a voter this year. I have voted.
0: You are a voter this year. Oh wow!
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: We're playing with live ammo here, folks.
1: Yeah, we're playing with live we're playing with live ammo here.
0: Okay, so man, I uh, I need to I need to get on that. I feel like. Moving to Australia probably helps my case in terms of getting a vote. Because if you ever look through like the voters, there are a lot of like random international voters. I need to need to wiggle my way into like an international vote. That's my uh, that's my move. So Tony, you have a vote. What was the hardest award that you had to vote for this year?
1: By far, Coach of the Year. Not even remotely close.
0: I agree with that totally.
1: That was it was by, it was it was the hardest vote I've ever had to make in my life.
0: So what direction did you go with Coach of the Year? So this will be our start. We'll talk about Coach of the Year to start.
1: I went Tom Thibodeau over Quinn Snyder.
0: Those are the top two I had. I had Tom Thibodeau as well at number one. Why did you vote Tom Thibodeau? number one?
1: <sighs> Because um, me being a Knicks fan, I know just how dysfunctional that franchise is and just how far this franchise had to come Just to be respectable. And when I say respectable, I'm not talking about 4th seed in the East. I'm talking like 8th seed in the East.
0: A playoff would have been a victory for them. Right.
1: And as a Knicks fan, I've seen Julius Randle. um, And for him to go from the player that he has been to the player that he was this year for the Knicks... um, the stats won't say it because you know Julius Randle always puts up numbers but the number of and he made he's made more impact plays in one month this year that pop that affect winning positively than he has in his entire career yep and um he's got Alfred Payton and Emmanuel Quickly as his point guards and you know basically um you know he's turned you know Reggie Bullock into you know a really really high level role player. I, I you know it was Roland like Bell I said
0: like a very high level right. I mean right just
1: now. you know you know you brought Taj Gibson back from the dead. Uh, Derek Rose you know deserves six man of the year votes. It's it's just that he's just come so far and um, like I said. You know, it, it was the hardest vote I've ever had to make, and you know, I just think that I just think that Quinn's baseline um, was, in, you know, the stability is a little bit more solid around him than it was around Thibodeau. Um You know, so I, I voted, I voted for, t- I voted for Tips.
0: Yeah, I also voted Tips. Uh, Quinn Snyder was two for me. Uh, the, the reason that Quinn Snyder was two for me was, I think it's hard to go from good to great. Especially when you don't necessarily Super hard. Yeah. make like the craziest That's the hardest that's the hardest leap
1: to make, to go from right. good to great.
0: Especially when you don't necessarily make like the most insane roster moves in the world. Like you can say that Mike Conley was healthy this year and that's been their biggest roster move, right? Just getting a fully healthy Mike Conley for an entire season. But I'm just so impressed with how Quinn Snyder has continued to devise ways to get open three pointers and then as teams started to adjust to the way that the Jazz were playing, chucking up crazy three-pointers and, like, crazy amounts of them, he started to throw in these, like, little wrinkles. Like, they have a 1-4 low set where they have Jordan Clarkson come up and set a screen, and then, you know, Mike Conley will just throw the short roll to Jordan Clarkson, and it's almost impossible to guard because then you have Clarkson in, in like, a one on one where the defender who is in who is like in drop coverage or switching coverage like it's not a great scenario because Jordan Clarkson's going to be in open space against a guy who's bigger than he is and probably can't guard him if you drop you're putting Jordan Clarkson into space against a bigger defender if the guy who is in the dunker spot comes up you have an easy lob threat to Rudy Gobert if the guy who is tagging comes from a corner Jordan Clarkson can make a corner kick out to a 40% three point shooter, or he can make like just a wide open floater, which is often there. And that's often the shot that Jordan Clarkson chooses because he's nothing, if not consistent as a human being, Jordan Clarkson in terms of his decision-making, that's still like a really high end shot. Like that's still probably a 55% shot for him when he's wide open, like he is in the set. So the little wrinkles that Quinn Snyder has thrown in throughout the year, I think is really impressive. Yeah.
1: For me, you know, I think you know Snyder basically turning the Jazz into a really unique offensive team. And when I say unique, you know they they basically shoot threes like the twenty eighteen Houston Rockets, but they attack the rim and they put pressure on the rim. You know the, the misnomer about the Jazz is that they live and die by the three, and that's just completely not true. Yep. Um, this team is is super capable of scoring inside the arc. Uh, with Conley, with Mitchell, and with Clarkson, and obviously Gobert at the rim, and, and Derek Favors at the rim. And, you know, they, they are very, um, um, they're very amiable to adjusting and taking what the defense gives them. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's going to help them in playoff time. Um, I think that Snyder's development of, of ancillary pieces, you know, me uh, Trent Forrest, um, you know, obviously those guys are, have, have turned into, to kind of sweater rotation guys, you know, so I, I just think that, that he's done, you know, a tremendous job. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, it's, uh, I do think that it's Tibbs and, and Snyder, Um, and then I do think there's separation between those two and everybody else. So, um,
0: I didn't think that I had Monty Williams at third and I had, yeah, I did have Monty
1: Williams at three. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I had Monty as the clear three. I thought that that was the top tier of guys. I thought Mike Malone was another guy that I really strongly considered as well. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, just with what Denver has had to deal with this year in terms of just injuries and one thing after another coming at him, honestly, like, I know that Brooklyn is wildly over-talented, but just in terms of lineup consistency, like I thought Steve Nash was like a low end. Like I at least took 10 seconds and was like, okay, like is Steve Nash someone that I need to look at on my ballot? Because of the way that he's been able to manage so many disparate moving parts throughout the entirety. Um, And I think that I would have had him fifth or sixth along with Nate Nate McMillan as
1: well. Well, the thing that I like about what Steve Nash has done is that he's managed the locker room really well. And um not only has he managed to lock on really well, you know, like you said, he's you know, he's I mean, he's he's gone out one he's going gone out one games with only one of the big 3 in the lineup. Yep. You know, and um and I think the fact that when the rest of the big 3 they've come back um just because just the fact that they've been so seamless um in, in terms of their integration and the reintegration and their reintegration and so on and so on, I think that that's, you know, it's obvious that they, those guys respect what Nash is doing. It's obvious that those guys are bought into Nash, and, you know, you throw Mike D'Antoni into that as well. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, all around they've done a pretty good job uh, in Brooklyn.
0: Okay, so let's go to MVP next because MVP is the one that everyone uh, always wants to hear. So I've already kind of revealed mine on the podcast. I did it last episode with Ben Taylor. Uh, I said Nikola Jokic, Stephen Curry, Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Damian Lillard were my five in order. Um, I've kind of given reasons on um, why on the previous podcast, so I'm not personally going to belabor the MVP thing. Um, but what is your ballot, Tony?
1: In order, it was Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Stephen Curry, and Rudy Gobert.
0: Okay, so let, let's start at the top. Why Jokic for you at number one?
1: Um, you know he should be unanimous. He's he's just had the best season out of anybody this year. I don't think it's particularly close, and you know he's um just the fact that Denver finished third. Um, no Murray. Um, you know it's it's just you know it's it's just one of those um it's just such a it's just such a great it's just such a great accomplishment
0: And night in night out he's just the most unstoppable force the uh, the way that i talked about it with ben taylor was like he put up more points per minute than dirk Nowitzki ever did he did it on a better true shooting percentage than Dirk Nowitzki ever did. And he combined it with being one of the five best passers. Like, that's just about impossible to me. Like, that—that that is an MVP season, in my opinion. Um, to carry this team to the heights that he did while doing that, its it's just crazy to me how good Nikola Jokic is so wh- why did you go Joel Embiid and Giannis over Stephen Curry because I feel like personally um and you've certainly I'd imagine interfaced with players more than I have over the course of the last you know four months I feel like if MVP was voted on by the players Stephen Curry would win so what why do you have Stephen Curry at four beneath Embiid and Giannis
1: um because his team is in the eight nine game that's that's the reason
0: Okay. So, how many games did the Golden State Warriors win last year though?
1: Um, they won not a lot of games, obviously went, because Steph was out.
0: Yeah, they went 15 and 50 last year. Yeah. Uh, so, let's say they won 17 games. This is like a 20 plus win improvement mm-hmm. basically with Stephen Curry. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot. Like and like we could mm-hmm. throw in like Kelly Oubre and we could throw in um the replacement of the entire season of Andrew Wiggins versus the half season they had of D'Angelo Russell. I think that there are other factors beyond Steph, but like th- this is a pretty good example where we almost have like a like for like situation where Stephen and courage has led to them winning 20 more games. So it, mm-hmm. it was, that was kind of my, um,
1: and that's why, I, and that's why he's fourth on my MVP ballot.
0: Yeah. So what made you go Joel in Giannis is those two over him particular?
1: Because both of those guys are in the top three of their respective conferences. Winning means a lot to me, especially when it comes to MVP. So you know, I mean, you know, Steph's had a phenomenal season. Um, you know, he's been to me probably one of the two best players in the league during the regular season. Um, but at the same time, you know, they finish eighth, and if they were to somehow to slip. Slip up and lose tomorrow night, they wouldn't be in the playoffs. So I can't put them over guys who led their teams to, to top three finishes. I just can't.
0: I feel like the top four guys, it's pretty damn close to consensus. Like in some order, people have Jokic, Embiid, Giannis, and Curry. The fifth guy is where I think things have gotten interesting and kind of worth yeah. Um You picked Rudy Gobert. I very much would have, I strongly considered Rudy Gobert for my fifth spot. Um, would have ended up more in the back half of the top ten for me. But why did you go with Rudy Gobert as your fifth?
1: The reason I went with Rudy Gobert as my fifth, and, oh, and it was super close between him and Chris Paul, but the reason why I picked Rudy Gobert is because the Jazz have gone seven went seven weeks Without one of Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, or Jordan Clarkson in their uh, lineup, uh, and they went almost a month without uh, um, Conley and Mitchell, and they still finished number one in the league. And that was Rudy Gobert. Yeah. So that's the reason. That's the reason why I went with Rudy Gobert at five. Um, Had Phoenix finished number one, that fifth place vote would have gone to Chris Paul.
0: So, let's, let's move to defensive player of the year, because I imagine both of us have Rudy at number one on defensive player of the year, right? Yes. So, I agree with you, and that's a big part of why I had Rudy at number one. I think he is very clearly the most impactful regular season defender in the entire NBA. If you were starting a team and you were building around one defender, not just for the regular season, but also for the playoff, what player would you take?
1: And and why?
0: And why, yeah.
1: Okay. I would take Rudy Gobert because you can take Rudy Gobert and surround him with four non-defenders and still finish top three in the league in defense. And... Um, since you need to score to win in the playoffs, um, you know, you just take Rudy and, and and uh you figure it out. Now the 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 masses would probably take um Ben Simmons. If I were not to take Rudy Gobert, I would take Draymond Green. Um Yeah, I,
0: I agree with you on that for what it's worth. It'd be either Draymond or Anthony Davis if you want
1: Or right, right. And But, you know, I I just think that that Rudy is a system in and of itself. And I I just think that you're going to have a baseline with him in your lineup where no matter what, you're going to be able to get stops. And if you have enough uh, scoring on the other end, you're going to be able to get stops and you're going to be able to get scores. Now, we'll see if what I'm saying actually comes to fruition. I think there's a lot of... I think there's a, a, a lot of um, intrigue with the Jazz in terms of can they take this formula, which is, you know, you don't have one, you know, top five superstar type guy, um, but you have a lot of top 15, top 30 guys. And can you win big in the playoffs? History says that you can't. Um, you know, with the Detroit Pistons probably being the, that one team that buck, bucks history. Um, but, you know, the Jazz are going to try to do it with that formula and we're going to see if, it's, if it works.
0: So the, the reason that I had Rudy at number one was this is the number one effective field goal defensive team in the league, Top five rebounding defensive team. And a top uh, three or four, I can't remember if they finished three or four um, defensive team. And you look at the defenders around there, like Mike Conley is a good defender. Like, I think Mike gets 10% overrated. Like People talk about him like he's an all-league defender. I don't quite think he's that. Do you agree with that, seeing him every day? Um, I, th- I think he's
1: actually pretty good defensively in terms of he slides and he stays in front. Uh, where he gets in trouble is um, at some point his, his lack of size becomes an issue. Right, and you know you he can, you can stay in front, you can stay in front, you can stay in front. But then once you get to a certain spot, if if a defender is good enough, if if the offensive player is good enough to get into a spot, and and shoot over the top, then that's where Mike kind of gets in trouble a little bit.
0: Right, Donovan Mitchell's a good defender. Uh, he's not anywhere resembling like a great. defender. I would say right. Um, Royce O'Neal a great defender. Like I think Ray, great... Royce is a great
1: defender. Yes. But beyond
0: those three, Bojan Bogdanovic is strong and like can fight, but he's not necessarily a good defender. Joe Engels, strong, plays the scheme really well. Like not a great defender. Jordan Clarkson we know is not a great defender. George Niang not a super fast defender, plays the scheme well. Kind of does. Smart shape. George
1: is a smart defender.
0: Right. But the thing that this team lacks a lot of is like speed. Right they don't have like crazy scramble speed and they're just so good within their scheme. And Rudy is the scheme. As you said, they are so good at stopping teams from getting into the middle of the paint teams took, uh, just, you were, uh, two point shots against them than all but one team in the NBA this season. And that's all Rudy. Like that's incredibly impressive in my opinion. Uh, Rudy is well-deserving of, the regular season defensive player of the year award even if i was starting a playoff team rudy wouldn't honestly be in my top three defenders in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. like i would have draymond i would have anthony davis and frankly i would have bam at too um having said that defensive player of the year who rounded out your ballot uh at number two and number three
1: number two i forgot who i picked number two but the the, the other two were draymond green and ben simmons i forgot which order
0: Okay, so I, I want to talk about Ben Simmons, because I find that fascinating. Because my third was actually Joel Embiid. It was not Ben, And I reached out to Derek Bodner to see if I was crazy about this. Because I feel like Joel is very much more important to their scheme than what Ben is. And very much a bigger part of why. I feel like we're underrating how good Joel Embiid is defensively this year. Because the team no longer falls off of a cliff when he leaves the floor, because Dwight Howard is around now. Ryan, right. Like Dwight Howard is at least a smart positional defender who doesn't like get totally lost like a lot of their backup centers over the years did. The reason that I picked Joel over Ben and like Matisse Thiebel, right? And frankly, also why I didn't have Matisse Thiebel on my all defensive team this year is because I think the backing that they have with Joel in the middle allows Ben and allows Matisse to go out and be crazy over aggressive and go out for steals and be um, all over the place at once seemingly his presence as the rim protector. They know that they have him there. They know that he is the stopper in the back line without him. I don't think that they can be nearly as aggressive and have as impactful an effect on the defense. I think that with Joel there, they feel like they can kind go all over the place and scramble and be as disruptive as they are. But Joel's the keystone of it, I think. Not Ben and not Matisse.
1: Well, I, I think that Ben does so many things um, that, you know, are you know high-end impact. And we're talking about, you know, block shots. We're talking about steals. And, uh, you know, his length and his athleticism generally causes issues. He shrinks space on the perimeter. Yep. And that is... That's just a huge thing, like, Everybody and I agree to with do you in
0: today's day and age.
1: Yes, is super hard to do, and I agree with everything that you say about Joe Allen B. I I think he's actually fantastic defensively, um, but I think that some of the things that Ben does, uh, you just can't teach, and you know, it, it, and you know, I, I like the fact that uh, defensively he rebounds and he's able to um and and he's able to push um it, 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 he just does so many things uh defensively and you know i I just think that you know similar to Rudy that some of the stuff that he does gets taken to, taken for granted and you know i think that similar to Rudy um jazz fans are going to hate me for this i think similar to Rudy uh teams or people or the general masses, you know, they focus on, hey, Ben can't shoot threes. And you tend to underrate, you know, a lot of the other stuff that he does. And yeah. and I think that he switches at a high level. He defends one-on-one at a high level. Um, he can defend. He's one of the few guys in the league that, you know, I mean, people throw this one through five thing around. Um it's 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 overused but it's but it actually you know depicts Ben. It it, it applies to Ben. He can actually defend one through five. Yep. And you know, I just think that he's he's you know, I don't think that he's Rudy. I think that Rudy's been, you know, so far and away the best defender in the league in a regular season, uh that he should be unanimous. Um but, you know, Uh, I think that he's been great in his own right.
0: Yeah, and just some quick love for Draymond. I mean, you saw it in the Lakers game last night. Draymond. Yeah, he,
1: oh my God.
0: (laughs) Just positionally, like he's in so many different places at once. I don't think I've ever seen a defender who plays the game. Draymond is so good
1: defensively that when he talks his shit and he says that he's the greatest defender in in NBA history, I, I actually just, I'm like, well, you know I, if I defend it like that I think that way too I'm not sure I agree with him I think that the greatest defender in NBA history uh, for me is Dennis Rodman and when I talk about Dennis Rodman I say Detroit Pistons Dennis Rodman that Dennis Rodman um, but I mean I can't begrudge Draymond for saying that yo I'm the greatest defender ever because when you watch some of the stuff that he does uh, it's Man, good gosh! It's just next level. It really is. He's, he's uh, he 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 almost single handedly shut the Lakers down last night. It was just phenomenal to watch.
0: Yeah, it's just the way that he consistently plays in gaps, the way that he extends his arms to cover multiple places at once. Like people act like Draymond Green is like not this physical, like marvel like draymond green is like six foot six with a seven foot two wingspan and an enormous hand he is
1: an under he is a elite rim protector yes. who doesn't play above the rim like how? like do you do you know how hard that is but well, let me say this again he is an elite not a good he is an elite rim protector who cannot play above the rim
0: and there was this little sequence in the game last night where i forget who anthony davis had the mismatch on and he went to try to post them up and draymond immediately realized okay they're about to make this entry pass into anthony davis on the right block i'm on the baseline on the opposite side on the weak side he turns he communicates to his backline defenders says hey if they make this entry pass i'm going over here and helping." Your rotation is here and here real quick. And he pre-communicated the rotations. Then the pass comes in. He goes over, hard doubles Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis doesn't make the pass. He forces a really uh, difficult shot that Anthony Davis missed. But it's the way that he communicates. It's the way that he gets everyone on the floor in alignment defensively. Uh, just a very, very impressive dude. On that end of the floor. Very, very impressive player on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, I think he is genuinely... Look, I am 31. I am not, you know, 50, you know, 60. Some of these, you know, people who got to watch players in the 70s and 80s and everything. I, I didn't get that opportunity to watch it live. But in my lifetime, I think Draymond Green is the smartest basketball player I've ever seen play basketball.
1: Yeah, I would still go LeBron there in terms of b-ball IQ. But yeah, Dre's. Dre's in that top three for me.
0: I I really don't know. Like, LeBron's up there, too. Like, don't get me wrong. But, like, I I don't know, man. Like, to get by in the way that he does, being a total non-shooter, being as non-athletic by NBA standards as he is, man... It's really impressive to me. It's really Draymond Green marvels me every time I see him on the court. I, I absolutely there are probably only five players tops in the league that I enjoy watching more than Draymond Green. Um, I still think
1: about that twenty nineteen Western Conference final against Portland. How how well Draymond like how how he just how much he just dominated.
0: He is one of my favorite basketball players of all time. Um, Do you want to go all defense Or do you want to knock out the individual awards first
1: Yeah let's knock out the individual awards
0: Okay so I forgot
1: who I picked all defense anyway
0: Well that'll be fun so we'll (laughs) we'll figure out Who you picked all defense on the fly Um, Rookie of the year uh, Did you have LaMelo or Anthony Edwards number one I have LaMelo I also have LaMelo at number one I will say hell of a race by Anthony Edwards
1: Yeah he made it close
0: He made it genuinely close in like a real way that I was not anticipating. uh Ultimately, Anthony i
1: was, was was sensational in the second half. Of the yeah, season.
0: the difference for me is that he was like honestly a negative in the first part of the season. He was just not good. But once the light clicked for him, and once the oh my played, god, he was he had the greatest highs of any rookie that I saw this year, and that even includes some of the triple doubles that Lamelo had. But Lamelo game in game out in a situation that mattered. Uh, for part of the season, given that they were in a playoff push. Um Just, I think, over the course of the season had a better body of work. Now.
1: Yes, agreed.
0: Who, and did you have Halliburton at third? I had Halliburton at third, yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't think that that's a particularly tricky one. We'll get to the all-rookie teams uh later on. Uh the, the All-rookie teams were not that difficult to vote on either for me. Um Sixth man of the year. Uh, we have some guys here that you cover. So uh g- give me who you had at sixth man of the year. I had uh,
1: Jordan Clarkson first.
0: Okay. I had Joe Ingles first. So we uh we, we cross here a little bit. What uh what, what made you go Clarkson first?
1: Um because by definition he was a six man and and Joe Ingles wasn't by definition. Yeah, reasonable.
0: Unfortunately, by definition, by the NBA's definition, Joe Ingles was a six man. But I understand your point and it's very valid and we're going to talk about some of the category fraud that I didn't really go along with whenever it came to All-India. I mean, Jordan
1: just started like 25 games. Yeah. I mean, and um, but more than that, I mean, there were, there were games that Jordan Clarkson absolutely carried to Jazz. Like, yeah. right? there was a game, in. remember that game, remember, uh, uh, actually me and Dave DeFore talked about this, but there was a game in Indiana Uh, early in the season, where the Jazz were playing at 11 o'clock. It was like their third game in like 70 hours. Um, It was their third game in four nights. Everybody was tired, and nobody had any legs, and the Jazz were legitimately just giving Jordan Clarkson the basketball on every single possession because nobody had any juice to do anything else. And Jordan scored, you know, time and time again, you know, basically just carried the Jazz to the win, and um, and and you know, there are multiple times where 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 he did that, and I, I just think that he built such a lead in this race in the first half of the season that I think it was insurmountable for anybody to catch him.
0: He was really great. Uh, he was not very good in the second half of the season, like uh, maybe not very good as strong, but like. He was less good, let's say. He
1: was le- He was definitely less good, but you know, by the end.
0: Onward.
1: Yeah, but for me, like the race was just pretty much over anyway, because it was, it was sort of like you know you build like a twelve length lead, and you know by the end of the, the race, maybe the length is maybe the lead is three lengths. Yep. You know what I mean? So, but he was he was still in the lead, so. Um, it was definitely. It was. You know, I didn't have a heart. I didn't have. I didn't have a second thought. It was. It was definitely Jordan Clarkson for me.
0: Did you put Joe Ingles on your ballot at all? Even? yes, I did. Okay, so I what did. made you go with? I guess that like what I struggle with is, I think Joe is more important to what Utah does, like just in general, because he can take over some point when they need it. He's an elite level shooter for a team that takes a ton of threes he's just way better than Jordan Clarkson defensively because he's strong and is consistently in position and kind of does everything that you're looking for. Like, I, well, I, the, like, I let's, just let's, really let's, be a better player. Yeah, that's understand. the
1: thing. He's a, he's a better player, right? But Jordan's better six-man because what you need from your six-man is for your six-man to come in get hot and drop 20 points in 24 minutes and just go back to the bench. And there was nobody in the league better than Jordan Clarkson at doing that this year. You know, Joe is a blender, right? So he's going to have 13 points, 8 assists, 6 rebounds. You know, he's going to, you know, play 30 minutes. Uh, he's he's going to be good defensively. Uh, he's going to make key shots. Um, but if, you know, if you get to the point where your second unit needs a bucket, you know, if you give Joe the ball, You know, he's going to have to run pick and roll with Rudy Gobert and make a decision out of there. And either he's going to score or he's going to give it to Rudy or he's going to find somebody else. He's going to make the right decision. But if you need that same bucket, you can give Jordan the ball and he's going to go get you that bucket. You know, just by definition of six man, that's more valuable as a six man than what Joe does. Joe's basically a starter. Joe's, I look at Joe as a six starter. I look at Jordan Clarkson as a six man. If that makes any sense,
0: who uh, who did you have on the rest of your ballot other than Joe and?
1: George? I had Derrick Rose.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, Derrick Rose, he was I, he was tremendous all season.
0: I went with Thad Young. I thought Thaddeus Young was ridiculous. That's interesting. I thought that's Thaddeus interesting. Young was unbelievable this year in Chicago. I, I frankly did not really understand uh, why he did not start immediately for them, but he was a monster on defense he had his best passing season like he's always been a really underrated passer and they finally unlocked that this year in chicago uh they unlocked his ability to play as a point forward um and even like occasionally despite the fact that uh they have a million big men uh he played a lot as like a point center almost for them Mm -hmm. Um, was really good defensively like he totally is someone needs to make a move for him this summer because he is still a starting quality player in the nba that just came off the bench this year for chicago for some reason and i like i I know eventually he started starting games i think he started 20 games or whatever this season but i thought that he's young awesome this year um and by definition i thought you know he is he is votable for sixth man and thus uh because of his eligibility, I voted for him. I had Ingalls one, Clarkson two, Thad Young three. Uh, let's go to most improved. I, I can't imagine you have anyone else other than Julius Randall, right? No, it's Julius
1: Randall, <laughs> no question. I I I gave one glance to Michael Porter Jr. and then I then I just wrote Julius Randall's name.
0: So I did not even really consider. Like I I looked I thought about Michael Porter Jr. I shouldn't say I didn't consider him. But I do not vote for, just like as a rule, I guess, in the most improved category, I do not vote for guys like who are second-year players. Because just getting more comfortable with the NBA game and kind of learning the intricacies of it, as well as, frankly, in the case of Michael, just playing more minutes, Right. Like, if you look at his numbers from last year, he averaged 20.4 points per 36 minutes. This year, he averaged 21.9. Shot a little bit better on the interior this year, which is why his true shooting percentage was like crazy high. Uh, But like, I don't know that he is drastically better on offense than what he was last year. It's just he is a much better defender and he can be at least trusted to be on the court.
1: I Um, I think you're underrating. The fact that MPJ went from number three to number two. Uh, he but, started drawing but
0: only everybody's. A third of the season. Oh, uh, that's still a month
1: and a half. That's six weeks. That's a sample size. And he went from. He went to drawing the number one perimeter defender on every team and he raised his level. The fact that he did that to me, you know, I. Listen, I don't think Michael Porter Jr. is is a perfect player, um, but I do think that that guy is so oozing with talent, and uh, I think that he backed it up this year. I mean, for him to do what he did, not only without, not only without for a lot of the year Jamal Jamal Murray, but it was w- without Will Barton, it was without uh, Monte Morris. I mean, Faco Compazzo, who I think is. Who I actually think is like one of the best defenders in the league, pound for pound, um, was his point guard, and he—I re- mean—and this dude was still going out and getting twenty-five. I mean, yeah, I,
0: again, like I, I get it, and I think Michael Porter is very good. I just kind of think he's always been good.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, but he—he he had no idea what the hell was going on last year. And, and I think, think that,
0: not on offense though; like he was really good on offense. Yeah,
1: that's true. That's true. I. Did, I did, I just think when you go when you when you go up a level in role, and you're still able to do what you do with, and you're a notch higher on the opposing scouting board, I, th- I think there's something to be said for that.
0: Yeah, I I think that's totally reasonable, and there's a reason that he is a finalist for the actual award, right? Like more people agree with you on this than agree with me. Maybe it just has to do with the fact that like. I, I don't know. And but there's, there's also, there. also the other thing is there's not that many
1: really drastically improved players in the league this year. No, there's not. Okay, there's, I'm there's really sorry. There's
0: only two guys. Like I, had Julius yeah. Randall and Jeremy Grant is like the very clear. I had only. Yeah, two guys. so I had Jeremy
1: Grant second, and I had my MPJ third. Yeah. The, so Grant, those Grant, are my three. Randall
0: are the two guys. I put Andrew Wiggins third on mine. I don't feel like one way or another. Like I don't feel amazing about it. Like Andrew Wiggins had his most impressive shooting season he had his most well his biggest game. jump was
1: defensively this or, year yeah, to me what i was gonna
0: say like efficiency wise yeah. it was his most impressive season um and then defensively he was actually really good this year and yeah he was from, f- he was
1: he was phenomenal defensively
0: yeah and going from where he was in minnesota where he was i've always thought he got i always thought it got overstated how bad he was on defense quote-unquote bad Because he was placed into more difficult situations, but he was not a good defender in Minnesota. In Golden State, he's a genuinely above-average defender. Who like again, like watch what he did with the Lakers last night. He got lost a few times in the fourth quarter and like moments that mattered. But for the most part, he was actually really good defensively in that game. Uh, I I am, I I am a fan of Andrew Wiggins. I wanted to give him a little bit of love for an for a uh, ballot that like I guess doesn't really like I, I don't really care about the most improved player award i guess like i don't to me like all these dudes well all by the way, way, i mean it
1: was hard. it was julius randall by you know miles and miles and miles and miles, yeah, miles so it, it
0: was um okay let's uh let's go all rookie next because this will be out of the way pretty quickly uh first team i lamello ball emmanuel quickly anthony edwards tyrese halliburton and desmond bain
1: okay i know i had three of those i know i had halliburton i had the big three who was the
0: i can't imagine that you didn't put
1: quickly i did put quickly on there yes i did put quickly did i put Desmond Bane? yeah you're right that was my five i did put desmond Bane. yes so
0: the top three i think are very clear uh and then quickly and bane are the final two uh, the reason I picked Quickly and Bane was that they contributed to winning teams. Like, that was the tiebreaker for me. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. yep.
1: That's what I did. No, actually, wait a minute. Did I put Sadiq Bay? I put Sadiq Bay instead of Bane.
0: Okay. Yeah. I, I think, like, that's a very real conversation. And, like, uh, if I think Sadiq Bay has a very good chance to make first all rookie. And I think that'd be, like, perfectly fine. Like, please. I thought
1: Sadiq Bay was. Uh, I picked Sadiq Bay because he was just. Like by the end of the season, you just knew that you know that he's 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 a ten year NBA starter.
0: Probably, um, yeah, I think so. I think he's so, be really good, and I feel the same about Daz too. Like I think Dez is going to be in the NBA for a long time. Um, yeah, and play minutes that matter. He's already playing minutes that matter in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, so like, yeah, facts.
0: Um, second team for me was Sadiq Bay, Jayshon Tate, Jaden McDaniels, yes. Isaiah Stewart and I went with Pat Williams I-, I thought that four of those five were pretty clear for me um, Sadiq Bay and Jayshon Tate and Isaiah Stewart particularly were very clear, I had Jaden McDaniels as like a very clear ninth and then like Pat Williams, Chuma Okiki, Isaac Okoro, like I considered Teo Maladon briefly um I, I okay mean, so i had consider poku but like yeah
1: i had mcdaniels uh desmond um isaac okoro pat williams and um oh my god who was my fifth
0: was it jay sean
1: and jay sean tate yeah yep
0: i i don't really know that i want to dive deep into second team all rookie so let, let's just kind of leave it at that
1: yeah um, it's fine
0: yeah, all defense team. This is where I think it gets fun. So, if you remember, I voted jo- Joel Embiid third over Ben Simmons on all defense.
1: I had issues with all defense because I had too many I had too many bigs.
0: So, did you end up deciding how I guess how did you handle it would be my question. I'll ask you first. Who did you have all defense?
1: Uh gosh, I gotta see. I know I had Rudy, I had Joel Embiid, I had Ben Simmons. Um, so
0: did you pop Joel into a forward spot? I did. Okay, so I did not um, do
1: that. I I had uh, those three. Uh, I had Matisse, Tybel and um, who was my fifth? I mean, it was like I tried to fit. Bam. <laughs> I was like trying to fit Bam in in the first team. It was it was in fact I did did I fit Bam in the first team? Who who was your five? It might come to me. Sam? Hello. Sam? I am here. Okay, so now I hear
0: you. Uh, yep. So I had Rudy Gobert at center, Bam at a bio, and Draymond Green at forward.
1: There we go. I had Draymond Green. Yes.
0: Ben Simmons at guard. And then my fifth was Drew Holiday.
1: Right. So I had, yeah. So I had Ben, Matisse, Rudy, Draymond, Joel. Those are my five.
0: Okay, so part of what I struggled with was...
1: (laughs) I had Danny Green's second team. (laughs) It's like all Philly.
0: You had all Philly. So I struggled with putting three Philly guys on my team because i was like look they're really good on defense don't get me wrong but like i didn't feel great about putting three philly guys on the all defense especially in part because i think that part of why matisse can gamble in the way that he does and get as many deflections and get as many hands on balls is because Joel is there like i have like a very firm backing in my opinion that Joel is the centerpiece of that defense and matisse would have made it if he would have played like 2,000 minutes, like a normal starter this year. Right. Um,
1: that was the biggest thing I struggled with, the fact that he, the playing time.
0: And that's going to be frustrating for some people because my second team was Jimmy Butler, Mikael Bridges, Giannis Antetokounmpo, OG Ananobi and joe lmb so the reason i picked ananobi ananobi only played like a couple hundred minutes more than matisse did this year but i thought ananobi was a bigger part of why toronto's defense was good i thought he was an exceptional one through five defender who actually fits the designation of one through five defensively and he's just all over the place on that end like his ability to cover ground, his ability to play on the ball, his ability to play off the ball. I think I think uh, Matisse is great and is, like, totally a reasonable pick for an all-defense team. And frankly, like, if I didn't go with two other Sixers, I might have had him there, and that might be annoying to some people. But, like, I kind of just wanted to spread the love a little bit in a way that, uh, you know, other people didn't, I guess. Um, and Matisse Dibble's an exceptional defender, and I, I don't want to uh, denigrate that necessarily. I think he's unbelievable. But I just don't think he's in, as important to what Philly does as OG Ananobi is to what Toronto does and as Mikael as Mikhail Bridges is to what Phoenix does uh-huh. on defense.
1: So, I agree with you. My five second team looks pretty different than yours.
0: Oh, I believe it. There are so many um, good defenders in the NBA. Yeah,
1: that's true. So I had Danny Green, Yep. I had LeBron, uh, because I thought he was at a super high level this year.
0: He was. Uh, when, when he was on the court, he was. I just couldn't get yeah. there with LeBron because of the missed games.
1: Uh, I had Miles Turner, Yep. I had Bam, and I had, then to the den, I had Royce O'Neal.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's like totally reasonable. The guys that I considered, I did consider Miles Turner. Ultimately, the missed games uh, made me decide that I didn't want to go down the road of category fraud. And, like, put Joel at forward. And
1: then right. Like That's and completely fair. Completely fair. Yeah. Um, but, see, Bam could fit in as a forward pretty – because I think I had Miles at center, and I put Bam at forward.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you could totally do that, and I think it's reasonable. reason. Um, I considered Alex Caruso, actually. Pretty mm-hmm. high level. Um, barely missed the cut. I considered Chris Paul. Like, I would say Caruso was probably my fifth guard, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um. I considered Marcus Smart. I considered Chris Paul. Mm -hmm. I considered Dylan Brooks. I certainly considered Thibel in that last forward spot. He would have been my last man out. I considered Clint Capella pretty hard as well.
1: Yeah. I I definitely considered Clint Capella. That was probably my first cut.
0: And then Royce O'Neal as well was the other.
1: So the reason why I considered Royce, and I I just wanted to give him a little love, because I don't think he has a snowball's chance in hell of actually making the team. Um, but
0: you know, Tony, um, I would almost guarantee you're not going to be the only person that votes that.
1: I, I don't think I'm going to be the only person, but I don't think he's going to make the team. Um, I but I wanted to show him love just because of how well he's defended this year, and like you know, similar to MVP, winning means a lot in these awards to me, and I think that um, when you have a team that's top five. And overall, defensively, um, you know, in the way that Royce is, you know, he's every single night he's he's taking um, the 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 toughest individual matchup. If that matchup is anywhere other than center, um, and the fact that he's been able to defend as well as he has this year, uh, I thought that deserved, I thought that deserves some recognition.
0: I'm totally good with that. Like, I think that's 100% reasonable. Bruce O'Neill was great defensively this year. Um, yeah, Mikael Bridges is just like a deflection monster. He uses those go-go gadget arms all over the place. He's in multiple places at once. Um,
1: I still can't believe Philip Prost on him. Traded him for Zaire <laughs> Smith. What are you doing?
0: Well, it was back oh, when we thought that Miami pick was going to be oh. like in the double draft or whatever. Yeah, but... That's why you don't make guesses based on, like, what the league is going to do with oh, young people. God. But uh, we all knew that McKell Bridges was going to be a hell of a pro.
1: All of us. We did. We all knew. This was not. It wasn't like we looked at McKell Bridges like, well, we don't know what he's going to be. <laughs> Remember when we did the job podcast? When he came out, we both had him, like, in our top ten. Don't get me started.
0: Let's see. Where did I, where did I have him? I think I did have him at night. I think I had him at not Can you imagine McHale on that Philly team right now? No. No, it'd be a joke. They'd be unbelievable. Unbelievable. I had McHale at 12, it looks like. I had him, I thought I had him uh, a little bit high, but I had him beneath Wendell Carter, Shea, and uh, Colin Sexton. I mean, but the point is we were we
1: were both really, really high on him. Like, we both knew. We both we were both looking Mikael Bridges and we all said the same thing. Well, maybe he's not a superstar. Maybe he's not a star, but that guy's going to be in the league for ten years. He's going to be a ten year starter. Just draft him.
0: Well, the team that fucked up was the Knicks, right? Like the Knicks took yeah. him, or took Kevin Knox over him, and that was just yeah. Like, what are you doing at the end of it? Um,
1: well, they took Kevin Knox over and Michael Porter. I was screaming Michael Porter Junior.
0: I had Michael Porter Junior. at six that year because I was uh, a little bit bullish on. His upside. So
1: I was screaming for MPJ. I knew about. I mean, everybody knew about the back at that point. Yeah. Um. But when you're at nine and MPJ is still on the board and he's a top three guy, you take him.
0: I I agree. Um. Okay. Let's do all NBA first team. I had Damian Lillard, Stephen Curry, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Luka Doncic, and Nikola Jokic. Uh. What did your first team
1: think? That was what my first team is. Okay, yeah. That's I little slid little. Luke. Yes, it was. I slid Luca the forward. Yep. Uh, Giannis and then in Jokic. That that actually wasn't difficult.
0: Second team: Chris Paul, Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard, Julius Randle, and Joel Embiid.
1: Say that again: Chris Paul, Jimmy Butler, Julius Randle, Kawhi yeah, Leonard. Len- okay. Uh huh. And and Joel Embiid. Okay. I had. Uh, mine was different. I'm trying to figure out. So I had LeBron second team. I had Chris Paul second team. Yep. I had Joel Embiid was my second team. Uh, Kawhi the second team. Uh, and who who was my fifth?
0: So if, if you had Kawhi. In- oh, James Harden. Yep. Okay. So yes. you had Julius Randle third. How can you call yourself a Knicks fan and <sighs> let Julius Randle be higher on my all-NBA team?
1: Well, I'm gonna do you one better. I didn't put Julius Randle on my NBA team. No, what? I didn't. Tony, I didn't. I'm sorry.
0: What happened here?
1: I put Kevin Durant.
0: No, Tony. He's,
1: he's he's Kevin Durant. Listen, Kevin Durant played how many games? He played what? I would say like 25 games.
0: 35.
1: Thirty five. Okay. In those thirty in those thirty five games he was one of the top three players in the league. I just couldn't leave him off. I'm sorry. Oh, I understand the games played, but like in the in the games that he played, I mean the guy was a freaking monster. I'm sorry.
0: So wait.
1: So it came down it came down to Julius and Paul George and I took Paul George. Oh no. Oh. Paul
0: George was phenomenal. I'm sorry. Paul George was fine. I had I He's phenomenal. Back. So Ah I will say this. I also did not have James Harden on my ballot. And the reason I did not have James Harden on my ballot was he played 36 games for Brooklyn this year. So it was a minutes played thing. Like, I know he played 44 total games and it makes the numbers look better for him. He played eight of those games for Houston where he was just out there actively. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) when he was with Brooklyn <laughs> it was it. unbelievable when he was with it, Brooklyn, was it was unreal um, but I, I couldn't get those 8 games out of my head and then I just ultimately threw them out and didn't count them and at the end of the day he played 1300 minutes for Brooklyn and I couldn't quite get there with him playing 1300 minutes um, so my third team was Bradley Beal I went with Kyrie because I thought Kyrie was just kind of the most consistent guy that was in the lineup for Brooklyn had a 50 40 90 season on 26 points per game and was just excellent the whole year um I went with Kyrie as my Brooklyn representative and then I had LeBron third team I had Zion Williamson as my third team all NBA forward because holy shit is he a beast and then I had Rudy
1: so I had Kyrie, Donovan Mitchell, Paul George, Kevin
0: Durant, and Rudy. So the reason that I couldn't get there with Donovan, and I really wanted to, to be honest, like I really wanted to have Donovan on my own NBA team, I couldn't get there putting him over Bradley Beal, because Bradley Beal was just by far the best scorer in the NBA this year, outside of Stephen Curry. And then I couldn't get there having him over Kyrie, because the numbers are basically the same. Except for the fact that Kyrie was just drastically more efficient and was just a drastically uh, bigger weapon offensively, I thought, than uh, Donovan Mitchell was. You can say that maybe Donovan Mitchell was better than Kyrie defensively. I just couldn't. It, it couldn't make up for the 26-point 50-40-90 season that Kyrie p- tossed up to me.
1: I think that, you know, when it's close, and I think it was close between Donovan and Bradley Beal, I think when matters. Yeah, it matters.
0: But, like, with Brad, too, like, part of it for me was as soon as Russell Westbrook, like, picked it up at the midway point of the season, they were great. Right. it wasn't Bradley Beal's fault that the Wizards were struggling early in the season.
1: Well, here's the thing. I mean, you are talking about, especially at the guard spot, you're talking about, so how many guard spots do we have? Six. had six. I would imagine there were at least twelve
0: yep.
1: all NBA level guards.
0: Like Devin like I really thought that I was like, Yeah, mm. I can maybe get Devin Booker on this team.
1: You could think about Devin Booker, you could think about Ben Simmons, you could think about um you know, I mean obviously Bradley Bill's right there. Russell Westbrook made a late charge to me. He 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 got himself into the conversation. There's just so many guys. There's so many guys. We didn't even talk about Trey Young. Trey Young had a hell of a year and they fifth seed. Um, I mean this this just is there's it just a lot.
0: <laughs> it is that was hard. All i was hard. It really it was really, really hard this year. Like I went in thinking like forwards, right? Like I was like, Yeah, you know, like Chris Middleton feels like a you know, someone that I should take a look at. I was able to eliminate Chris Middleton like very quickly. From the forward spot, like I was very surprised. I thought Middleton was really good this year. Like I thought that I thought there were just a lot of guys that like were excellent basketball players. This I year. mean, De'Aaron Fox
1: had a phenomenal season,
0: and he just can't like sniff, it. can't can't come close. Just wasn't really all that close. Like
1: I mean, so I I mean the Donovan pick for me was listen. This team was basically wire wire the best record in the NBA. Wire to wire, yeah. That deserves that that deserves his perks at the end of the year.
0: I agree. I think Donovan's like a totally reasonable pick at the guard spot. Uh, I went with Zion in the forward spot over uh, Paul George was my last cut. Um, I just see. I, I think Paul.
1: I think Paul kept the Clippers afloat a lot this year. I uh, I just can't ignore what he did. I think it's he was phenomenal. It's hard for me to
0: say that because like he kept the Clippers afloat because Kawhi like put it in neutral for the last you know 30 games of the season but if they didn't need to have kai or Kawhi in neutral Kawhi would have been who he is and who we know he is you know what i mean so like i i respect paul george and i think he was a great player this year he had an incredible volume shooting year i, I thought that he was really good as a passer and playmaker this year too um in a way that he hasn't always been in his career but you know just the dominance of zion like game in game out especially in the second half of the year it was i thought i think he is just a total monster can can we give some
1: love to the center position where really gobert basically had this dominant year and basically can't get any higher than all nba 13 because joel and, and Nicola were just monsters yeah. And yeah. and Bam can't get on an All-NBA team, and he was a monster? <laughs>
0: yeah. No, I mean, Bam is... Uh, you're not going to find anyone that loves Bam as bio as much as I do, I feel like. And it just wasn't even... Like, it wasn't even really a consideration for me at the end of the day. Like, couldn't put him at center because those three guys existed. I guess we could have played some category fraud and, like, moved Joel up to forward on the first team and then slid Luka Doncic down the second team and then thus slid, like, one of Kawhi or Julius Randle down to third team to replace Zion Williamson. I don't know. Like, I don't really feel good about doing that because, yeah, the NBA allowed you to do it. But, like, Nikola Jokic played 100% of his minutes at centers. Joel Embiid yeah. played 100% of his minutes at centers. Rudy Gobert played 100% of his minutes at centers. So, like, if I'm going to do that, like, it needs to be... Like in Luca's case, when Jalen Brunson is on the court with him, Luca moves off the ball sometimes, and like right. you could reasonably say he is a guard or a forward. Um, Jimmy Butler plays both the guard and the forward position. Joel Embiid to center, like as, as long as we have the center designation, as opposed to just like three forward spots or three big spots, quote unquote. I think that you know that's kind of. I, I didn't feel great about playing that the category fraud game. Yeah.
1: It'll be interesting to see what the voters do with LeBron James because I thought he was the best player in the league this year in the games that he played, and then he missed you know all, you know so much of the season. You know, I don't think you could put him on first team, but that's, you know, that's why I put him on second team, because he was, I thought he was playing some of the best basketball of, of his career on both yeah. ends this season.
0: Yeah, I went third team because I just thought that Julius Randle was so important to what the Knicks did this year, and he played a thousand more minutes than LeBron, so I was like, well, yeah, you know, if I'm going to give anyone the benefit here, it should probably be LeBron and just slide him up to second team, but... You know, See I LeBron, to try and to reward, Randall, though, like because Randall, is mean, yeah. unbelievable. You know, Kevin
1: Durant is to me it's just it's just a special case. I mean, obviously the games missed and the minutes played, but I j- I just don't know how you can ignore his brilliance.
0: Oh, he's unbelievable for me. He was incredible this year, but he played thirty five. I just couldn't. Do yeah,
1: that. I mean, I get it, and you know, I'm sure I'll probably receive some blowback from it, but. You know, I was just like, okay, I mean, this is one of the top three players in the league. I mean, I, you know.
0: When he was on the court this year, he was impossibly good. Like, yeah. He was absolutely impossibly good. And I totally think it's a reasonable vote to have Kevin Durant on your all NBA team. I just chose not to because I chose to value the guys who played more minutes. Right. But right. at the end of the day, I think it's a fine vote. Um. Okay, so we're done with awards, Tony. Do you wanna you want to give like 10 minutes of draft takes before we get out of here? I know yeah, let's do it. Let's I, do it. Where, where are you? Give me, give me some. Let's let's not go with the high end guys. So I'll have you on at some point to talk about. I got Franz Wagner
1: at six. I'm just throwing it out there.
0: Okay, that's a, that's high. That's a lot. <laughs> this is this is what I, I asked. I mean, this is what <laughs> <of>, I, <asked. laughs> I mean, I'm
1: all Franz, baby. Let's go.
0: So why why? Give me, give me. It's like because he does
1: everything on both ends of the floor. He just can't shoot yet, though.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say that's a big problem. (laughs) (laughs) But he does everything else. So I've like come around. So I've done the draft guide profiles for all of the American players in the first round. So I've done like the heavy deep dive, and um, I thought I was gonna have Franz more in like the fifteen to twenty range before I like went back and like really like watched the like intricacies of the tape and like dove deep, I'm probably going to have him closer to like 10 or so by the end of it. So I'm not even that far from where you are on frog. I think he's really good. He
1: is really good. And I think he played really good. I think he played really well in the, um in, in the tournament as well. Um, you know, and I think he, I mean, for me, Oh, I'm sorry. For me, um, you know, the fact that he outplayed Scotty Barnes by a lot in the tournament that meant a lot to me because I thought that that was I thought that that was a a really high end matchup, and I and I thought that Franz really showed up for me.
0: So yeah, I do have Scotty ahead of uh, Franz, but it's mostly because of what I think Scotty can be. Uh, I yeah think, i think that if scotty because there's just like a very real biodynamics issue with scotty in terms of bend like i think that if he can get with a trainer that like really works with his flexibility and changes the way that he kind of moves his body there's just a lot of latent explosiveness and athleticism there that i think would be unlocked
1: okay where do you have josh giddy that's that's what i want
0: to know i have josh uh right around like the 10 range something like that.
1: I have him 12.
0: Okay. So I- I've seen Josh live. I'm probably one of the few that has seen him. I'm probably going to go and see him work out here while he's here in Melbourne. Um, Josh, I'm excited about because it's more Lonzo than Lamelo, I think, in terms of his game. Like, I think that he'll play as like a secondary ball handler in the half court that at some point will shoot. It just has such an exceptional feel for the game that... It's going to work. Like, you want these guys who process the game at such an an unbelievable level. I mean, this is a kid that, like... Like, I don't want to give away too much from, like, a feature I'm probably going to write on on him at some point. But, like... I mean, like, he grew up around the game. Like, his dad is, like, Melbourne Tigers royalty here. And, like, played with the Andrew Gaze teams that, like, are among the most famous NBL teams ever. So... And and I'm old
1: enough to remember watching Andrew Gaze play at Seton Hall. So I'm sorry.
0: That's
1: a, that's that's nineteen that nineteen eighty nine Seton Hall team, and I was now I was very young in nineteen eighty nine. I just wanna let you know. I'm just letting everybody know I'm not that damn old. You're I was right. very young in nineteen eighty nine, okay? Alright, I was nine years old, okay? But I still remember it. Okay? So that Gerald Green, Andrew Gates, um, who was the big man, Anthony Avon, I believe. This is, yeah,
0: this is uh, this is some old old Big East uh, shit but right here.
1: I remember that team. I remember watching Andrew G- Andrew Gates as a freshman on that team. And well, did, did he only could play do one year,
0: Right.
1: Yeah, he only played one year, and then he was like, "Oh, I can go and make millions of dollars back home," and went back home.
0: Let's let's do that. That seems like a better move. Um, where are you on Moses Moody? Because I feel like he's kind of a lightning rod. Whew,
1: I'm tough. That's tough. Moses to me needs to develop a lot off the dribble. Mm-hmm. Um, man, you watch him, and it's like you, he can only put the ball on the floor, you know, one or two times max, and then that's it. He's got to like either shoot the ball or pick his dribble up. Um, and for what he's going to be in the NBA, you know, that worries me. Um, and other than that, he needs to get, but he's super athletic. Uh, he's got um, elite physical attributes, like the, the wingspan is just elite. Yep. The athleticism is elite, 6'7". So
0: I I uh, say, I don't think he, the yeah. athleticism is elite. I think he's like an average NBA wing
1: I Ah, mean, uh, Well, we'll see. Well, I like think he's better than that.
0: So, like James Booknight is someone that I would consider like more athletic. Than him. Yeah,
1: James is James. James gets up.
0: Um, like Keon Johnson is like an elite level.
1: Keon, well, Keon's quick twitch. Good boy. Like that's just
0: like that's the thing with Moses. Like Moses isn't quick twitching
1: now. Right. No, Moses. You're definitely right. He's definitely not quick twitch. Keon is, man. <laughs> yeah, Keon is
0: quick twitch. But, like, I'll tell you this, like, I don't, the more I watched Keon's tape, the less excited about yeah. Cause it. Yeah. Because there's just a lot that he has to do still. Like, he has to get better off the bounce. He has to get, uh, he to obviously become a better shooter. Like, just can't really shoot right Sp- now. Speaking yeah. of great
1: athletes at, in Tennessee, um, uh, I would keep a lookout for, uh, um, uh, for Jemai Mashat, the incoming freshman.
0: Who, why, who is that? Why do I know that name?
1: Incoming freshman out of California, um, talk about quick twitch athlete, you know, 6'4", 6'5", plays the 1, 2, 3, super defender, super defender. And, you know, I I think that, you know, if the shooting comes along, um, he's an NBA level athlete and a potentially NBA level defender. It's going to, you know, the sh- his shooting and playmaking is going to determine, you know, what his ceiling ultimately is. But he is oh, an elite yeah. athlete.
0: This kid. You don't know. know. He was
1: the. he, Yeah. Yeah. It was the kid that, you know, went toe to toe with uh, Sierra Canyon in, yeah. in the state title.
0: Yeah. I like this kid, actually. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, their recruiting class is hilarious next year, too,
1: by the way. Yeah, really. <laughs> it's a joke.
0: Like, it's kind of uh, Brandon Hundley- Like, dog,
1: got- Rick, uh, like, Rick, you ain't got no excuse,
0: bro. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, ado, they got the Mashak kid. Um, they're going to be good. They're going to be really good.
1: And then they got
0: yeah. uh, Justin Powell, too, in the portal. Um i don't know give, give me some deep sleepers give me some of the like give me some of the takes
1: davion mitchell okay let me stop i'm joking
0: davion's good we, we got we <laughs> well, got davion yeah we know bad. that but we
1: know he's, he's not a deep sleeper we know that um where are you at with, with with uh where are you at with david duke
0: i'm not really a fan uh i get i like everything is it the out. age for you no uh it's not uh I've, I like everything I've been told about the kid. Like, I've been told elite-level character kid, like, great worker. Really high-level defender. I don't like the offensive game at all. Uh, okay. I don't think he's going to shoot it. Like, I know that he shot 40% from three. I think that he is, like, basically not a pull-up shooter at all, so he's basically a wing. And he's not really a movement shooter either, because the jumper has just, like, a lot of inputs on it, I think. Um, really aggressive, like, tough, seems like. I like that stuff Like I think he sticks In the NBA I'll have him as like A top He's definitely gonna be Like a top 60 guy For me But
1: So the The kids I like The kid I like That I really like I like Chris Duarte Yeah I, Like Like I, I love him I don't care That he's 24 years old Bro is just a Basketball player Like And where, where if do you I'm, think I
0: have Chris Duarte On my board right now I think you have
1: him 17 on your board
0: Higher Yeah <laughs> I was talking but to the see, NBA GM, and he was like, yeah, like, you know, a guy in the 20s, like, who's a guy in the 20s? And I was like, you know, like, I have this guy higher than the 20s, but I think he's going to go in the 20s, Chris Duarte. He's like, yeah, he's probably going to go in the 20s.
1: Like, if I'm a Jazz, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get him, compl- like, I'm 100% trying to get him if I'm a Utah Jazz.
0: Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, I really, the guys I really like, right, now, if Trey Murphy comes out, I really like Trey Murphy. Um, yeah. I liked Jeremiah Robinson Earl more than I thought I would.
1: I'm struggling with the athleticism there.
0: He's better in terms of lateral agility than what I thought he would be. Uh, really smart positionally and can actually switch a little bit on the perimeter. Like he's not, he's not like a guy that you're going to say, Hey, go guard Damian Lillard on an island for me. But I think that he's pretty good in terms of like, Sticking with twos on that,
1: and I'm a Herbert Jones fan.
0: You like Herb Jones?
1: Yeah, I, I love Herb yes. Jones.
0: I also love Herb Jones. Herb Jones is going to be damn close to uh first round grade for me.
1: He's he's another guy at thirty. If I were to jazz, I I'd, I'd seriously consider him.
0: The problem with Herb is I think that there can shoot. There are roads where he's like a non rotation player because of the shoot. Yeah, like it was funny. I was talking to an NBA executive and he brought up Justice Winslow and just how hard it is for Justice yeah. Winslow to get on the court right now. Difference is, Justin Winslow
1: is six four and Herb is six eight six nine.
0: Definitely, and I think Herb's actually a little bit better defensively than Justice is. Like Justice, And I
1: actually think Herb is a better ball handler and passer than Justice is.
0: I don't think that. Uh, I think that where Justice exceeds him is there, but the question is, the thing is that like that almost given what their roles are like almost doesn't matter because he has to be able to shoot first and foremost to be able to like build upon that skill package you know what i mean yeah so that that's tricky for me um i I will have herb jones like late first but i can't get that much higher because i think there are like a lot of pathways that end up with him being like a non-rotation player but if he shoots it, I think he's like a borderline starter.
1: Well, that's that's going to be a thing. I mean, it's the same thing with let's let's put Mee Aoni right. Like Mee is an NBA level defender and an NBA level athlete. Yep. If Mee is going to be in the NBA in five years, it's because he will. His jump shot has come along. Yep. Now Herb Jones has more to work with coming out to Mee Aoni because he has the ball handling and he's got the passing uh, and he's got better you know more size but it's the same thing like herb jones has to figure out a way to shoot it yep. and he did shoot it better um his his last year um but he didn't shoot it great and you know and and it, and it hurt him and it hurt him in, in the tournament yeah well yeah I agree. so yeah i'm but i'm definitely. I, it's, I'm a sucker for guys que- that can just kind of do everything. I'm an Aaron Henry fan, too.
0: Yeah, I am, too. Um, I think he's really, really good defensively on the ball. And I think I just think he's a and shoot, dog. His catch-and-shoot numbers are better than the off-the-dribble-shoot numbers. Like, another guy like that is Austin yeah. Reese.
1: Yeah. I and love and Austin. Austin. Oh, I love Austin Reese. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I quite like Austin Reeves. Uh,
1: He can boogie.
0: He'll probably be like a top 50 guy for me. Um, Maybe even a little bit higher than that by the end of the process. And and like I really do like a deep dive on him. Because I think he can actually shoot it off the catch. It's just that he took so many pull-up jumpers that it like tanked the percentages. You know what I mean?
1: Right. Um, All right, I got two Pac-12 guys for you. Okay. Where are you at on Josh Christopher, and where are you at uh, on Johnny Juzang? I, you know I wanted to ask you about Josh Christopher, because he's divisive.
0: Yeah, I did the deep dive on Christopher uh, two days ago. Actually. So, I'm, like, my mind's pretty, like, fresh. Um, I'm not not really a Josh Christopher guy, I would say. I, I would probably have him in the second round. Like, very Ooh,
1: round. that's tough.
0: So the reason, and I think that his ceiling is much higher. If he was a better shooter, I would have him at like, you know, 16, 17, 18. But he's not that kind of shooter yet. Like he has a very left line jump shot that has just a lot of moving parts that I think to fix it, he's not going to have to like rebuild it from the ground up, but like he's going to have to do a lot of like what Lonzo Ball did where he's like rebuilding it from the gather point where he's gathering it from like a middle of line as opposed to the way left the line, because I think it's just really hard to do that if you don't have like a really high release point like Kevin Durant. Uh, Kevin Durant.
1: So, I, I, I understand what you're saying. I'm, I'm prone to give him the benefit of the doubt because I think he's got a really good family, and I think that eventually his family is going to ground him, and he's going to buckle down and get to work. You know, you. I don't know if you remember his brother. His brother is Pat Christopher. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. And
0: former Utah Jazz great.
1: Former Utah Jazz great. And I got to know Pat um, when he was with the Jazz, and you know, since he's in, you know, he's he's one of the most mature dudes I that I've seen, and you know, and I think that Josh listens to 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 Pat, and you know, and I think that Josh knows better than. You know most that, you know, I mean, watch it's it's tough to watch your brother get to the NBA and play one game.
0: (laughs) Well, but, like, here's the thing, though. Like, you know, that's true. But if you go back and watch the tape with Josh Christopher, like, it's tough to go back and watch that and watch a kid that is that athletic and, like, someone who, he very clearly cares. Like, there are moments on the court where you see that dog come out, right? Yeah. Where he really is a competitor in a big way. But then he just like kind of doesn't defend at a high level and like doesn't play with motor and energy on the defensive end and like gets lost in like a ball screen and then doesn't try to recover because he can't take a shot at a block. Right.
1: Well, I think that we all know that there was something, there was some shit with that Arizona state team.
0: I mean like Bobby Hurley, like keeps saying that like there was not, it was not like a great environment. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like that there were different, uh, different priority uh it's yeah like, in the program yeah. but like part of that was like josh and marcus like trying to get to the nba is what i think he's intimating uh, maybe that's my reading it wrong right but it feels like that's what he's intimating and that's not great you know like i I really wanted to like i really want to like Josh Christopher because like, he's really explosive in and out of his moves i think he's an underrated athlete uh like he's Like, I think that, like, when he was younger, he got kind of noted as, oh, he's just, like, a very polished scorer who's, like, not all that athletic and, like, not that bouncy. I think he actually is pretty bouncy, especially off two feet. Like, he can really rise. And he doesn't have a crazy first step, but he has a really good last step. And he has a really, he's really explosive in and out of his moves. So I think that there's a lot to work with there. But the problem is, like, if I'm a team that's draft, I don't want to draft a guy where the second team that gets him is going to get the best out of him. And that's the way... I just think that there's a long way to go for Josh because of the jump shot. Like, I think yeah. that because of the jump shot, it's going to be hard for him to create a building block for his game to get on the court. I feel the same about uh-huh. Greg Brown. Like, I think Greg Brown's going to play in the NBA for a long time. I think at some point Greg Brown is going to be a very effective NBA player. I well, don't to think me, Greg Brown is going to be able to like. I don't think the first team that gets Greg Brown is going to get the most out of Greg Brown.
1: So Greg Brown is interesting. It's interesting you bring up Greg Brown. Like to me, Greg Brown is is a guy where you know you, this is where your college choice, your choice of colleges comes in, right? Like. You gotta go somewhere where they're gonna develop you. If you're gonna be there for one year, you gotta go somewhere that they're gonna develop the hell out of you for that one year. I do not know for the life of me why more college kids don't say, yo, Jay Wright, I wanna play for you. Because yeah. you know that if you go play for Jay Wright, guess what? You're going to be a better basketball player than when you go to the NBA, you're gonna play for ten years.
0: You know, Ryan Archie Diakino is five years in. <laughs> you know what though? More kids are doing that? Like they have a top fifty kid coming in this year, uh, the Longino kid. Yeah. Um, last year they got, uh, what's his name, the from New. New New Shout out! Shout out to Javon
1: Cornely, who who looks like he's gonna end up making the NBA because he's gotten a lot better. Yeah. He's gotten a lot. He's gotten a ton better.
0: But like two years ago, they get Robinson Earl, who's a McDonald's All American, Brian Antoine, McDonald's All American, Justin Moore, top fifty kid. Like, yep. You know, those are three guys that they wouldn't have previously gotten. And I think that they do go out and recruit. And I think that more kids are making the right choice. And like, I feel the same way about Alabama, by the way. Like, I think that a lot of kids should choose Alabama because they develop kids or develop teams in the right way or develop players in the right way. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. They should choose, uh, they should choose Eric Musselman.
0: Musselman does get guys to the NBA. It's true. But he gets like, guys to a- the NBA. But, like, with Alabama, Alabama has JD Davison coming in, and that kid's a monster. Um, mm. Charles Bidiaco, who is a very high upside, like, rim running center, who I think they'll know how to use there because they run, like, a very modern offense. And then their transfers, too. Like, they go out and they get Noah Gurley, who I don't know if you've seen him at all, but he's this, like, stretch five out of Furman, who's probably going to start for them at center this year and can actually shoot. So they go out and they recruit. To their scheme and kids need to understand that like if alabama's recruiting you they're recruiting you for a specific reason and a specific role to play because it makes sense to their scheme and it's the same with villanova like villanova's recruiting you they think they're you're a perfect fit within their scheme i feel the same way about baylor as well like baylor's done a really good job developmentally
1: um done a really good job yeah i mean you know but you know greg brown did not make a Great choice in terms of developmental.
0: And you, you know what, though? Like, I don't want to totally trash that Texas staff that was there. Because like, I don't Kai Jones, either. Kai Jones did get better, you know?
1: Kai Jones had some elite tools to work with as well. But Greg Brown did too, does too yeah. as well. Like, as Brown well. Has, and, and, and to be fair, it's got to be on the kid as much as it's got to be on the staff. Like, the kid's got to be a worker. So And I'm not saying Greg Brown isn't a worker. I'm just saying that, you know, he's essentially still the same guy that he was in high school. But that's going to get him to the league because he's, a, you know, he's like a 5%er athlete. I mean, you know, the athleticism is the most off the charts. But, you know, with Greg Brown, it's going to, you know, his fit is going to matter. Whoever drafts him is going to matter.
0: Like, I personally would not draft Greg Brown in the first round, but...
1: I would if I, would. I were the Jazz or if I were the Lakers or... You know, any one of a half dozen teams that you know, you know, they develop at a, at a high level.
0: I would not draft Greg Brown in the first round, but I bet you he has one of the 30 best careers in, out of the prospects in this draft. You know what I mean? Like, it's just uh, Yeah. It's the difference in, I think it's going to take too long to develop him, and teams tend to be very quick with the trigger, right, in terms of letting guys go. Like, Jalen Lecue is a five percenter athlete right right who they navigate to go undrafted i think uh he signs a multi-year deal in phoenix like a multi-year guaranteed deal that was essentially a first round pick steal at the end of the day and he just got he's on his third team he's got traded this year for tj leaf like teams give up on these guys quick if they're not ready to go and you look at the guys who had a lot of success this year on two-way deals, for instance. Moses Brown, second year, second team, right? Because Portland had him on a two-way last year. Oklahoma City gets him on a two-way this year. He has success. O'Shea Brissett, second year, was with Toronto the first year. Toronto doesn't get the most out of them. Now Indiana looks like they're going get to get, get a lot of success out of them. It's just really hard i think to hang on to those guys with the limited roster spots you have available as an nba organization right because new guys come in every year so i it's you know as 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 much as i think greg brown is going to be a successful nba player if i'm making a draft ranking as a team based off of deriving value from the draft pick i like i don't feel awesome about taking greg brown at 20 or whatever
1: (laughs) And where you are with Johnny Juzang?
0: Yeah, we. You mentioned Johnny Juzang before. That's funny. Um, yeah. Reggie uh, Miller? Huh?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see if you're still awake, my guy.
0: Yeah, no. I was just like, whoa! Uh, I totally forgot you mentioned Johnny Juzang. Um, I like Johnny. I think he's a NBA caliber shooter. I think he could use another year at UCLA to become an NBA caliber.
1: He's never going to be an NBA caliber defender. you just going to have to. About
0: the work ethic, I, I have I've heard that it was really good this year with Mick, like in terms of him wanting to be something like that.
1: Well, if you don't play hard, you're not going to play for Mick.
0: Right. So I've I have hopes. You know.
1: Uh, when I say he's not going to be an NBA caliber defender, like he's, you know, I'm saying that, you know, I don't think he's ever going to be a plus NBA defender.
0: No, I don't think he is either. But he has to get to the point where he's not like giving points away. On the right. Game. Right. Exactly. And he's not there yet, and that's fine. Like, it, I think that he's still really young. Like, he just turned twenty years old. I think he's going to yeah, win that, the NBA for sure.
1: That's fine for me because, like, he ain't. He's not making the league because of you know, who he defends. He's making the league because of that jump shot.
0: Right, and he's a great shooter um, with real size. <laughs> I worry a little bit about the athleticism in general. Like, is he going to be able to get by anyone? Like, even attacking a closeout. Yeah, but you just bring
1: him off a bunch of pin downs. He moves well without the ball. He gets his shot off in tight quarters. He's six foot seven. He has a high release point. He's he gets lift on his jump shot.
0: Um, and by the way, like I say all of this, like I have Johnny Juzang like right around fifty or so. I think. My yeah. Career. So like I I like him and I think he's. Like a borderlineish guarantee guy, um, but I, I do think that he'd be helped by another year.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm
0: trying to think, like, what are you? What's who's another guy that you just randomly like? We'll, we'll end on one more uh, guy that you randomly are. I'm
1: reckon. a Chris Smith guy.
0: Yeah, I really like Chris Smith too. Chris Smith's like, uh, uh, by the way, like great kid. Like not just like good kid, like great, great kid.
1: Yeah, I think. You know, he's another guy, if I were to Jazz, I would think about drafting him. He's 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 gotten a lot more, better ball in hand um, over the course of his career.
0: Yep.
1: He's got a lot of talent, man. A lot of talent. Just a lot of talent. And he's not going to be drafted high. Um, he's somebody, I'm just using the Jazz for example, but he's somebody that Jazz can draft and, you know, develop him for two years, and he might turn into a monster.
0: Yeah, draft him two-way. I think that's the right move for him. Um I'm trying to think if there's anyone random that I haven't talked a lot about on this podcast that the more I watch, the more I like. Um, that's a good one. It's a good question. Uh, I went through and watched a decent amount of Josh Primo this week. Mm-hmm. I know that some people have him, like, pretty high on their board. Um, I get it. Cause just because of how young he is, I, I I think the people that see him having some like primary viability is where I, it falls apart for me. I think he's mm-hmm. like a secondary who can shoot, and I don't think he's anywhere near where he has to be defensively. But I like I, I get it. The more I watch him,
1: well, I think the fact that you know he played so well for me as a freshman, and you know he's got you know. Real size. Um, you know, does a lot of things on the floor for me. You know, I like him. I really do. I like him a lot.
0: I I, I like him. He's another guy that I think is just going to take time. Yeah. Because he needs to get physically stronger. He needs to know where he needs to be defensively. He needs to start making, like, actual ball screen reads. Right? Because they just, like, didn't yeah. do that at all. He's mostly a spot-up guy. Um, I, he's a guy that, like, if I was a team in the late first early second round, I would want to bring him in for a work because I, I would want to see what else he has in his game. Right. As much as anything. Right. Um, because he just didn't get a chance to show it this year. I don't know, Tony. I think that's uh that's all I got. If that's all you've got, that's all I've got, man.
1: That's all I've got. Last thing on Josh Primo, I think he needs to come back and especially with Moody gone, he needs to take a step up in, in responsibility and show that he can round out his game. Not and with, that's you, all I've got.
0: With uh with Petty and Herb Jones.
1: Yeah, we're Petty and Herb Jones gone. I'm sorry.
0: Mixing up the red SEC teams.
1: Yes, me. I'm. S- s- those fan bases will be killing me right now.
0: They're going to be furious with you. They're going to be <laughs> absolutely furious. Tony, tell the people where they can find your work. Tell the people about what you've got coming up tomorrow morning.
1: Uh, I've got uh, a story with Rudy Gobert coming up tomorrow morning. Um, so look out. be on the lookout for that. And you can catch me at T. Jones on the NBA on Twitter. And... Uh, you, you can uh, catch me on instagram uh showing off my uh, pulse running pics.
0: <laughs> Shout out Tony Jones, man. Uh just, just very impressive amount of commitment to uh, losing weight. It's impressive, man. I love it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and show you how much I love your your being on your podcast. I forfeited my my nightly workout today.
0: Oh, what a what a kind thing. You to do. I mean, By the way, it's like midnight your time, and I know you're going to be awake for another like five hours. <laughs> Probably,
1: yeah. It's, it's, we're getting the Madden hours right now, man. Do you, like, you listen.
0: sleep? Like, it's a real question. Like, Do you sleep? I will
1: sleep from 4 to 11. I don't have to get up and take the girls to school tomorrow. That's
0: good. That's good. Nice. This has been the Game Theory Podcast. Please remember, rate, review, subscribe, do anything you can to support the show. We'll be back next week uh with some more stuff on the nba playoffs uh what a fun time to be an nba and then i'll have something on the draft with matt